And sometimes that unknown is where your growth lies or where that next amazing opportunity is, or that's where you really hit the like you hit speed in your in your career or in your life or you find your joy. Hello and welcome to Time Matters, the podcast where we help professional women like you build careers you love while making time for what really matters in your life. I'm your host, Dr. Kenny. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to speak to all of you today because I have a special guest with me, Jaya Malik. She is an experienced DEI practitioner and an educator as well. Her practice centers on community engagement, data-informed insights, and also empowering others to lead and innovate. She's especially passionate about ensuring equal access and opportunities for women of color and other represented minorities or underrepresented identities. Prior to launching her consultant and coaching business, Jaya led DEI efforts at Meta, Amazon, and Tandem Diabetes Care with a focus on the tech industry. So I am excited to have her here today. Welcome to the Time Matters podcast, Jaya. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you've had a pretty interesting career. You've led efforts, DEI efforts, and have been a leader at several important organizations, including Meta and Amazon. So I'm just curious to know, how did you go from classroom teaching to where you are now? That's a great question. And I would say that my career has taken a very serpentine path. So I, if I had had that question asked to me 20 years ago, I probably would not have imagined myself where I am today. You know, I started out in K-12 education, primarily within Title I schools, which tend to be serving under-resourced populations. And I really love the work that I did. Within K-12 education, I worked as a middle school and high school social studies teacher for five years. But, you know, a lot of the schools that are within Title I tend to be pretty understaffed and pretty under-resourced. And over time, I kind of find my, found myself burning out. So a lot of the time, I like to say it was never the kids. I absolutely love kids and I still like to work with kids today. But I found that, you know, I, I really wanted to find a way to continue to educate and help people and also continue to find a way to promote changes in the systems that kids would eventually end up growing up and being adults and operating within. And so I decided to take the skills that I learned as an educator within K-12 and find a way to transfer them. And so I moved into the corporate learning and development space, and I moved into initially startup spaces and was working in international education as a learning and development manager. And eventually that one thing led to another, and I found that I was able to also combine my learning and development skills in my love of technology, which was just sort of like a natural affinity that I had. It was a curiosity that I always had. Even as a teacher, I would like teach other teachers how to add technology into their classrooms. And so I was able to combine those two things. And so I took this kind of natural progression of following things that I really enjoyed doing, like teaching and learning, and then also combining it with something I was excited about, which was technology and being able to combine those two things led into technical training. And so eventually that led to a lot of opportunities because technical training, I guess at the time that I started in it, there weren't too many people that were jazzed about it. And so I had an opportunity to actually first work at Liberty Mutual as a technical trainer. And I was able to teach people how to do a lot of really cool, new, interesting technical uh, skills and 
I have always seen education as a vehicle for empowerment. It's always a way in my mind that it teaches you to either upskill or achieve a new goal or help you learn something new that can help you to attain whatever next milestone or aspiration that you're seeking to achieve. So I feel like DEI has kind of always been this sort of undercurrent in everything that I've done. And eventually, my path after Liberty led me to Amazon after I was let go when I was pregnant. Tell me more about that experience, if, if you're willing to share, yeah, because I, yeah. I think our listeners might learn something from that. Of course, no problem. So I actually, you know, I will say that I look at the corporate landscape now and the layoffs that are taking place now, and my heart really hurts for a lot of people because I think that the behavior we're seeing on the part of many organizations in terms of how layoffs are being conducted is so far and away from the experience that I had back in 2018, which is when I experienced a layoff with Liberty Mutual. And because my experience with Liberty Mutual in that layoff and reduction in force actually did not make me a detractor of the organization, meaning like I actually do not have a poor opinion of them. (laughs) Part of it is because even though I was laid off while I was pregnant, Yes, that was hard and it was scary. Um, and it was, you know, a lot of, full of a lot of unknown and uncertainty. I was provided with many resources to find my next role. And I also relied a lot on my network, my job network, that meant much of it was actually supplied by them to be able to help me to find the next role and to actually land within Amazon. And if I look back in hindsight, you know, I am actually kind of grateful that that opportunity did happen for me. I don't like, nobody likes a layoff. I didn't like it either. And I still don't like layoffs. But I felt like in comparison to the way people are being treated now, it's a world of a difference where people are kind of just turn on their computer and it just powers down. And all of a sudden you can't get in and you're laid off by somebody you don't know. You don't get outsourcing services. You don't get career coaches. You don't get someone to help you build your LinkedIn profile. Those are all things I received as part of my layoff package. And so I just kind of, it's like like night and day, the experience. I also did not have to, and I recognize the privilege I had at that time in the sense that I did not have to deal with the job market. That is the reality of today. And so I have a lot of like I have a lot of empathy for what is happening today is totally far and away from what I had to deal with at that time where I did have opportunity that I could tap into. And so I think the job market at that time was much healthier than it is now. And so it was difficult. And I don't think it holds a candle to what people are going through now. So having said that, yes, being laid off when you're pregnant is terrifying because I was like very close to vesting in a pension, which doesn't exist anywhere anymore. I was angry. I went through an entire multitude of feelings. I was not the only person that was expecting and laid off in that time. It was our entire unit was taken out. And it was not mindless gut, where in the sense like it wasn't like 10,000 people were just taken out. (laughs) They were very Mm -hmm. mindful about who, which units were taken and why. And, you know, I felt like it was a little bit more along the lines of more responsible corporate behavior, even if I didn't like the outcome. And so... All to say, I know this is a very long-winded answer, but all to say that, you know, compared to what I think people are going through now, I think I was treated with a lot more dignity and a lot more respect than how I feel people are being treated with now, which is really upsetting to see. And I wish that more people were treated now 
the way that I was treated six years ago. Wow. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that. And I just picked up so many gems from just career gems from your experience. Number one, the importance of really being in a with an organization or a company that's invested in you as a person beyond what the task or the responsibilities you have towards that organization, because that's the perception I'm getting that your previous, your first company was invested in your success. And so it wasn't just like, I'm going to send you this anonymous, you know, message that says that don't return to work, but hey, for financial reasons, we're not able to keep this unit open, but we want to make sure that you land somewhere that is safe and somewhere that is, you know, appropriate for you and your family. So let's, we're going to invest in your skills. We're going to invest in you and help develop you. So I think for our listeners, as you're searching for work and thinking about organization or company you want to work with, think about the people that want to nurture you versus those who just want to tolerate you so that you can get a certain task done. You want to be in an environment where you're nurtured, an environment where you can people want to invest and develop you. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And I agree with you. My heart goes out to people who are living in a period of economic uncertainty, financial uncertainty, and dealing with looking for a job in this particular mm-hmm. market. It's hard. You know, it's very challenging. And I'm not going to pretend like I fully understand it because being in medicine, but I have, you know, friends outside of medicine, and I understand is very challenging not to know where your next paycheck is going to come from. So my heart goes out for everybody. And we are just, I'm, I'm sending a lot of best vibes and best wishes to our listeners who might be experiencing that at this moment. But I, you know, am curious to know how you went from where you are. So I understand you were working in an underserved community, dealing with a a community that didn't have a lot of resources and some of the challenges related to that. But how did you bridge from that to the DI work that you did for Meta and also Amazon? And even if you can describe some of the work that you did as well. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So after I got laid off from Liberty Mutual, my next opportunity, I found a home at Amazon. And good news, I did find that they were willing to actually provide me with very comparable maternity leave. And so I actually was able to have the maternity leave experience that I was preparing for at Liberty Mutual. And so that was actually one thing that, you know, I I was really fortunate for with the healthier job market. And during that time, I joined a program or a larger program group, I should say, called Engineering Excellence at Amazon. And it supported the software development engineers and that population at Amazon, which at that time was like 60,000 plus people. And because of my uh, aptitude for technical training, I was brought on to manage a global program at Amazon called Learn AWS, where it actually helped software developers inside of Amazon learn how to develop on cloud computing as opposed to developing within production-based server environments. I absolutely loved the work that I did there. And I also realized very quickly, and it is glaringly obvious, not just, I think, necessarily in the tech industry, but also even when I was at Liberty Mutual, even when I've been in other companies before that, that, you know, often women of color in particular are often found when you're in these spaces that are, particularly when you're not like a developer, you tend to be the one of or the only of of your particular identity. And so I found that that was more glaringly apparent than ever when I was at Amazon. I was um, even on my team, the at one point, one of the few women of color on a team of 70 plus people. I was the only one 
someone that was a program manager that was managing a globally scaled program. And, you know, along with that, you know, I faced a multitude of microaggressions, straight out aggression, and having to deal with quite a lot of obstacles that I noticed that my peers that really represented the majority, which tended to be white men or women um, within leadership spaces, weren't having to really navigate. And so there was this whole other layer of complexity being a woman of color, particularly within the tech space, that frankly, my first response was just to be upset. You know, I had like a visceral sort of emotional reaction to it. And then, you know, I realized that, you know, it is okay to feel how I feel. And I actually kept thinking a lot at this time about my students back from when I was a teacher and made me think about, oh, my goodness, like those kids are like in college right now, still in touch with a lot, like with a few of them. And it's like they're in, you know, their final stages of college. They're about to enter this professional workforce. Like, what are we what are we feeding them into? And so like it would kind of was this weird full circle moment that I had at Amazon where I'm like, we're feeding them into systems that are so inequitable and that can be very abusive and exploitative. And really everything kind of had started with them. And for me, I had always felt this commitment to them where if I can't be in a classroom with them, I'm going to do things that help make their life better on this side, like on the other end of their education journey. And so that was sort of like almost like a refocusing point for me. And I remember it being this like kind of like light bulb moment for me at Amazon. And I became like very vocal in my viewpoints, which I kind of always like held close to my chest. Part of it was because I was raising two little ones of my own. And so I was a little bit in survival mode. But then part of it was also, you know, if nobody else is going to say it, I'm going to say it because this can't go unacknowledged and we need to start addressing this, particularly in places like Amazon. I knew that there were these like software development engineers, software development managers that are making half a million dollars a year. And recognizing that, you know, this is where gen- like the generational wealth, the next few, the future of generational wealth is going to be made. And if we can't create more equitable access into these systems, then the same cycles are just going to perpetuate time and time again. And so I started getting very vocal around like 2019 when I'd come back from maternity leave and I was like fully ramped back up. And then, you know, towards the back end of 2019 into 2020, the murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor happened. And then I got really, really loud, you know, and I, you know, at that time was like one of maybe two or three women of color on my very large team. I just got very vocal about it. All of a sudden, before I knew it, it happened really quickly. I was approached by somebody who reported to Jeff Bezos at the time. And he approached me and I, during that time at Amazon, had built a reputation for developing very strong programs that are very successful, that could scale, and, and that were effective. And he approached me and he said, we are running a series of DEI goals across Amazon Partly this was in response to much of the public criticism that Amazon was facing at the time in the aftermath of these murders. And it was Amazon trying to, you know, course correct, like many corporations did at that time. And one of the goals at that time was focused within the technical side of Amazon. And part of, I'm not sure how familiar you are with code or like coding language, but within code. No, I'm, I'm so ignorant. 
So within coding language, in universal coding language, it's not specific to Amazon, within universal coding language, part of a way that you uh, would refer to like a primary line of code versus like a secondary line of code is you call the primary variable or line of code master. You call the secondary line of code slave. This was something that's been embedded in code for decades. And that's partially because within the software development community was really created by a very homogenous group of people, primarily white upper middle class men back in like 50s, 60s, 70s. And so nobody had that foresight to think like, maybe we shouldn't be using terminology like this. At this point, it's spread across the world. It's embedded in every code package and all these different stacks of code and all these code repositories across the world. It is very entrenched within our code systems, all the code that's used to run all these big websites. It's everywhere. And so one of the goals that I was asked to run was basically how do we help prevent the usage and introduction of this code any further within within to Amazon's code. That's a huge task. Amazon has one of the largest code repositories in the world. And they're like, hey, Jaya, can you run this? And can we also educate technologists or software developers on why we don't want to do this? And so then I led this goal. I was only given six months to run the goal. And during that time, it was incredibly challenging. Um, if I, I may ask, because yeah. I'm listening to your story and I'm seeing your leadership, you know, really develop and mm-hmm. in, in a different context than where you were doing originally teaching. So yeah. I'm interested in knowing how did you develop yourself as a leader to be leading these large programs and also to be so underrepresented, like even within your teams, but yet yeah. emerge as a leader and to be leading these large programs. What skills, what did you do? Like for somebody that's listening and saying, mm. you know, I want to get to the place where Jaya is, where I'm leading large teams, but maybe the person is a oh. classroom teacher. Maybe the person is just starting off in the tech industry. Like what, what skills did you think that you acquired along the way or what, you know, development, you know, personal and professional development do you think were key to really being successful and leading these teams? I think one of the biggest strengths that I've always had, um, and I wouldn't say that I started out with it, like knowing this about myself, but it developed over time, is that I had a very strong strategic aptitude. So I really developed and honed my ability to think strategically and think on a very large scale. So a lot of times, I think, when, especially when you're like early in your career, you tend to look at things at kind of a more granular or operational level. And to think strategically is the ability to zoom out and look at it an entire ecosystem or an entire organization from 50,000 feet. And that hands down has been one of the best skills I have developed to progress my career forward is the ability to just be able to zoom out and see the current state of multiple business functions, of multiple leaders, of different problems happening in the same space, and understanding how they interact with one another and how can we find solutions to common issues. So like kind of like how do you kill two birds with one stone? Um, What are some things that require their own unique solutions? How do you ruthlessly prioritize prioritize one over the other and what requires more resources versus less. Uh, So that ability to think strategically 
is critical in order to forward yourself within leadership, I think, especially at these larger organizations. The other part, though, is I think that is the ability to feel courageous, even if you don't feel courageous, because I I love that, you know, when I have spoken up in the past, I inside may be terrified. I may be shaky in my voice, but I'm going to speak anyway, because if I see something wrong happening, I understand what my values are. I understand what where my integrity lies. And I understand who I'm really here to serve. And that is enough for me to propel me forward because my why has evolved over time. My why is really centered around kids. It's always been like my kids, your kids, and what kind of future are we creating for them? And are we going to leave a future that's in a better state than what we found? And if that answer is no, then we are we're not we're not heading in the right direction. So that why propels me to say and do what I need to do, even if I'm afraid. That is an incredible why. <laughs> and as I'm listening, I'm also thinking about my kids as well. And the future that we're leaving behind for them. And that's just an amazing why that it's, if if one of my kids decides to go into the tech industry, I'll be thinking about, well, you know what? Jaya Malik has helped to lay the groundwork so that my daughter is not the only woman of color, you know, in yeah. this space, you know? And so, well, that's, that's an amazing why. And thank you. And I love those th- two things that you highlighted about, especially when you are thinking about being underrepresented in any field, it does take courage to speak up. I, yeah, I'm i happy to take whatever hits I need to take because that means that I'm protecting somebody else in the future that they don't have to take those hits. Um, So I think that it's like, I think it's kind of a more like collectivist mindset that I hold on to and that I hold dear. I think that really comes from my cultural background. I'm, you know, my family is a family of Indian immigrants. I was raised in a very collectivist culture. And my grandfather really taught that to me, that you are only as well as your community is. And so I've held that notion really near and dear to my heart, really as long as I can remember. I love that mindset. I love that focus on community. You know, I talk a lot about community as being a really important value for me that really fused my work as well. So mm. I really appreciate that. Now you're at Amazon and somehow you land at Meta and then you develop your own coaching and consulting company. So tell oh. us, you know, t- take us to where you are now. <laughs> I feel like I have a very <laughs> long-winded journey. So eventually after this goal, I moved for a short period over to Amazon's devices organization. They're the folks that make Kindles and Fire tablets and and really cool devices like that. I was only there for a short period of time because Meta came knocking and I moved over to Meta only for a short period. I unfortunately did not have the greatest experience there. And I found that that was not a great alignment to me. And I actually think that there's a really good lesson in that, especially for women of color. I have learned some really, really important lessons from that. It being my shortest employment stint anywhere ever. So the first thing is, is that 
I think a lot, especially within, at least for for me, I'll say, and, you know, I can only speak, I think, mostly to the uh, Indian community that, you know, in many uh, immigrant households within the Indian community, I think it is very much like looked down upon to leave a job, particularly before like the one year mark or, or like, you know, to leave within, you know, like before like some set period of time that that family determines or like your community determines. It is okay, I think, to leave a role if it is compromising your mental health, if you are being tokenized in any way, particularly as a woman of color, or if you have been catfished. So (laughs) if you are promised one thing and then you come there and it is totally different, it is okay for you to look for other options because the integrity of the agreement you made with that organization is no longer intact. And so that's a really important Absolutely. Lesson. And yeah. I, as you're speaking, and I apologize for interrupting. No, it's okay. But I just keep thinking about misalignment here mm-hmm. and the importance of knowing your values, understanding your why, and you can't work with an organization or a company where there's such misalignment mm-hmm. between what you consider to be important and worthwhile and what their mission is. Yep. You're not gonna you're not gonna change the culture and the landscape. You're as an individual. They have their mission. They have their values. You have yours. So there's no reason trying to toughen it out. It doesn't make you stronger. It just depletes you and it leaves you unfulfilled. And you end up missing out on precious time, which is what we don't want to do as listeners of this podcast. That's why it's called Time Matters. Exactly. So thank you so much for highlighting that. Yeah. And time does matter. And I think especially with women of color, you know, I've seen so many women of color across my career where we try so hard to make it work where we are. And, you know, for a variety of reasons, it can be because financially that's that's what we have to do, you know, for a matter of survival or because we feel like we don't have other options or we don't have the clarity that we're searching for or we hope that they're going to change. And you know, and and so through the different roles that I've had, I've I've learned that the why is within you. Your values are really the best compass for the career decisions you make. And I found that my values and letting my values drive my career decisions usually lead to the best outcomes. And I find that the growth that I want in my career usually follows if I'm willing to trust myself, if I'm willing to give myself enough faith, put faith in myself to say, I know what my values are, and I'm going to look for organizations that match those values. And so, or that at least the most closely align to it and offer me the greatest potential for growth. And so when you get into the business of investing in yourself first and saying, I have faith in myself and here are my values and what I look for in an organization, I wish I saw more women of color do that. Because what power would it unleash throughout different organizations, not just in the U.S., like throughout the world, globally, because we deserve so much more and we are capable of so much more. And if an organ, one particular organization is not going to see it, somebody else sure will. So I just wish that, you know, I sometimes see people languishing and it makes me sad because you can't force somebody out the door. You can encourage them, but ultimately they have to make that decision. Um, I love it. I, yeah. I, I love everything you said. I'm not <laughs> even going to recap it because you just said it so beautifully. And I love it all. I love anything that talks about values and alignment and that and fulfillment. And that's so important. Yes. Trusting yourself. Oh, yes. Trusting yourself. Yeah. And really investing in yourself. Yes. Yeah. That's key. So you left, then you left Meta, and then what came next? Well, the second lesson that Meta actually taught me 
which was super important. And I think this is super, super important, especially for women of color. I I would say this actually for anybody that's listening, but really, I, I think that women of color need to bear this lesson in mind because I think that women of color, you know, there's so much research out there that shows that women of color, and particularly Black women, tend to experience things like gaslighting, microaggressions, and retaliation at work at higher rates. Um, And so I think it's really important because it's a really practical lesson that I learned the hard way is that I think it's really, really important to focus on being financially independent of any organization and making sure that you... Can I clap for that? (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yes. You know, amen to that. Yes. Always Uh keep going. (laughs) Because, you know, when I had to leave Meta, it didn't, first of all, really feel like a choice. It was a matter of like, I need to do this for my mental health and so that I can continue to stay in the game long term because I am committed to DEI. This is my calling. But also I was the I was the sole bread earner in my house. I had a very sick child at home at that point. My husband was home full time with her to take care of her. So, you know, me not earning wasn't an option. Like I had to earn. My husband and I, you know, we were working towards being financially independent of any organization. We weren't there yet. And I really learned that lesson right at that moment. I was like, this is, I'm never going to let this happen to me again. And so learning what it looks like, feels like, and sounds like to be tokenized and being financially independent of any organization were the two biggest lessons I picked up from Meta. And I have carried it with me and I will carry it. And so that led me to Tandem. And I was really grateful because Tandem kind of came at sort of a perfect point in my life where it was an organization that actually actually happened to align with my values. It was an organization where they were just starting in their DEI journey. They had, you know, really been working on sort of like volunteer driven efforts around a council and testing out an ER, an employee resource group, otherwise known as an ERG. But, you know, they really wanted to be intentional in investing in a foundation for DEI. And I always said that the bones were good of the company. <laughs> the leadership was deeply kind and empathetic. And the company itself actually develops diabetes uh, or insulin pumps for type 1 diabetes. So it requires like a high degree of empathy for the lived experiences of others. And I was really excited because it actually let me build a DEI function from the ground up, from scratch. And so I was very excited about that because I got to build the foundation as I thought it should be built. And so over the next two years, I worked really hard on being very intentional on rooting our foundation based on quantitative and qualitative data, building out seven employee resource groups, revising and relaunching our DEI council that actually helped to deliver real business support that was recognized by the medical community and also helping to provide additional coaching and training to not only the organization, but to leaders as well and forming community partnerships. So I'm very proud of that work. And I was really enjoying the time that I had there. And I also had this itch in the back of my mind that I really needed to scratch, which was, you know, I felt like even though I was contributing into the organization in this way, I felt that there were times where I was not able to necessarily say what I needed to say or that I 
was not able to implement changes that really needed to be implemented. And I felt that in order for me to be able to continue to drive really meaningful change, it would require for me to be independent and just out of my own. And I was a little bit scared about that idea because I had been thinking about starting a consulting practice for a few years, and I wasn't sure if that was something that I was ready to take the leap into. And then, you know, I think that the universe kind of aligned <laughs> at the right place and mm. the right time. My oldest daughter is thankfully much healthier now in a great spot. My husband has been back at work for quite some time as she's gotten healthier. And, you know, we feel like, you know, it was the right time for me to be able to take this risk because I felt that if I don't do it, I'm always going to be wondering. I'm always going to be questioning it. And it felt that at this time that, you know, the organization kind of wanted to go in a direction that I wasn't aligned to any longer. And so my values all became my guide again. And I really had to think about, am I still aligned to the way that the organization wants to go? Because they're a business. And so they need to decide, you know, what they need to do and what they want to do based on their business prerogatives. And I need to decide, does that still align with my values? And I made the decision that it didn't. And so I allowed my values to make the decision for me. And it became a pretty clear decision that, okay, it's time to try. And so I've made this leap into consulting <laughs> and I've been really excited about it. It's been, you know, I think a mixture, it's like a roller coaster of emotions any given day or week, but I don't regret it at all so far. I get to meet amazing people like you and I get to uh, create again, which has been really fun. And, you know, I get to have these really cool conversations with people every week. So, you know, I, I don't know what the future is going to hold for my career, but um, I'm really glad it's brought me to here. I love it. And as I'm watching you, our listeners can't watch you, but they, I'm sure they can hear the joy yeah. that is in your voice as you talk about your work yeah. that you're doing right now. And I see the joy too. And I mean, that's where we're all trying to go. That's where we're trying to help women in this community and the Time Matters community get to, which is finding that fulfillment, both professionally and personally as well. You know, I'm not a believer that we have to live our lives separately. Your work is an expression of who you are. And yeah. For you to be deeply connected to the work that you do, it has to reflect what you value. It has to reflect what is important and what's worthwhile to you. That's what makes it meaningful work. And so thank you for doing meaningful work and continuing to follow what that means to you. Even if it means you are, you know, cutting ties with organization, even if it means you are stepping into a new space of working on your own. You you have it. I know you're going to be tremendously successful. Oh, thank and you. <laughs> I'm sure you're enjoying some success already. So thank you so much for this conversation. And I, I've picked up so much personally from everything that you've said. And as we start to wrap up our conversation, I want to ask one question, which I like to ask all, of, all guests. Um, yeah. As you look back at your career, at the choices that you've made, the experiences you've had, what advice would you give to your young self? Oh, that's a good question. I think I would tell her to trust her gut because I definitely don't think younger Jaya trusted her gut enough. And I think if she had trusted her gut more, it probably would have led her to the right places faster. But that's okay, you know, because I think that we're all meant to be on this journey to evolve and learn. And the more we know, the you know, better we do and the different, and we make different choices. So, but yeah, I think that's probably what I would have told her. 
That's great. And I, I heard that over and over again, too, as you talked about self-trust yeah, as well. So thank you so much. Um, do you have any last minute words of wisdom or pearls that you want to give to our audience as we end our discussion? I have just, you know, seen so many amazing people with so much potential just waiting out there. And, you know, if the conversation that you and I have had today resonates with somebody that's listening and they're kind of on the fence if they want to take a risk or not, I would say I would encourage them to explore and maybe consider whether they can take that risk or not. And if it's possible, it might just be worth it because sometimes it can feel really scary to make a change or to feel like um, you're diving into something that's unknown. And sometimes that unknown is where your growth lies or where that next amazing opportunity is, or that's where you really hit the, like you hit speed in your in your career or in your life, or you find your joy. Um, but you'll never know if you are just kind of seeking um, your safe zone all the time. And so I would just encourage folks to just consider the path of courage and adventure because uh, you never know what's waiting for you. Thank you. That's beautiful. The path of courage and adventure. That's beautiful. Well, Jaya, thank you once again. I know you're very active on LinkedIn yeah. um, and people can find you there, but is there any other way that people can contact you if they want to reach out to you, learn more about your journey, perhaps even work with you? Yeah, absolutely. If anybody would like to reach out, you can visit my website at jmullick. It's M-A-L-L-I-K consulting.com. Feel free to set up time to chat there. Um, I do offer group coaching classes, one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, and there's also going to be a self-paced coaching option coming soon as well, which I'm really excited about. And I also do offer organizational consulting as well. I'm very excited to be offering these things out to the world. Well, thank you. And I think the world is really lucky to be able to have access to your services as well. So thank you so much for joining us on Time Matters. Thank you to our listeners for listening to Jaya's journey. And I know that we I've learned a lot from it and I believe that everybody else has as well. So thank you to everybody and have a lovely rest of your weeks until we um, our next episode. Thank you for listening to the Time Matters podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Time Matters and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at timematters.today and also on our website at timematterstoday.com. Time Matters.